Welcome to the Edge of Sports Podcast. I'm Dave Zirin. This week we're speaking to Leroy Moore, the founder of Crip Hop Nation, a movement demonstrating alternate arrangements by which hip-hop artists with disabilities can communicate through social media. We're going to be talking about the Paralympics. It's a fascinating perspective. Also, I have some choice words about a story that I want to be much bigger. The vanquishing of Kelly Loeffler from the WNBA by a former player, Renee Montgomery. Uh, and by the way, what I'm going to read, I also was, was a form of an article I wrote, and it got tweeted by LeBron James. So just wanted to share that. I also have Just Stand Up and Just Sit Down Awards, but first, Leroy Moore. First, can you tell us what is Crip Hop Nation and how did it come into existence? Okay, so Crip Hop Nation has been here for 13 years. It's an international network of hip hop artists and other musicians with disabilities. And it started because I love music and also a disabled um, um, author and activist. So I was like, oh, you know, I saw disabled musicians in the blues when I was younger. And, you know, I grew up in New York, so I grew up when hip-hop was on the corner. So I saw a lot of, you know, diversity in hip-hop. I saw women in hip-hop. I saw, you know, breakdances and clutches with hip-hop. But of course, like everything, when it comes when it goes to corporate, you know, it, it, you know, the picture gets slimmer and slimmer. So I, I never saw disabled hip hop artists on MTV or you know, Source Magazine or any other media, you know, thing. So, um, thirteen years ago, me. Keith Jones and Rob Denoy's Temple all started Crip Hop Nation and we were all activists in all Indian hip hop. We all all of us were back in the seventies when hip hop started. So we wanted to use Crip Hop as an educational and advocacy tool for our um, communities. That's beautiful. I also grew up in New York City, so okay. <laughs> I, I and, and I, I remember um, hip hop starting in New York and how liberating it was. Do, do you do you feel a sense of liberation when you hear the non corporate hip hop? Oh yeah, totally, totally. And, and you know when I travel too, when I travel to like Africa or Spain. I, I really hear, you know, the real roots of hip-hop. Because I think it, it hasn't been, you know, corporatized outside of the U.S. So you get more protest hip-hop. You get more hip-hop that's, that used to be in, in, in the States. Do you ever, like... I mean, sometimes for me, I got to pinch myself. I can't believe that this music that started on the street corners in New York City and people were playing the music outside and doing free shows in the park is has been a, now a global phenomenon for, for 30 years. It, it, it's amazing. 
Yeah, and it's not only global, it's like a multi-million dollar, you know, industry, you know? And it's not only hip-hop, it's, you know, journalism, it's, you know, movies, it's it's so um, expensive, you know? Yeah. Um, Do you feel like Crip Hop Nation has um, succeeded in its goals of working with hip hop to raise visibility? Um, yes and no. Um, you know, we, you know, we of course we, we still don't get the blame playing as mainstream hip hop because we're, we're telling the truth. So really, the only um, mainstream hip hop group that, that support us is it's kind of funny. It's a sugar hill gang. Mm. And, you know, gang, because their DJ was a part of Crip Hop, they learned um, about Crip Hop, they supported Crip Hop, you know, so, and, and also recently, on DMC has supported Crip Hop, because he has a mental, mental health disability, so when I reach out to him, he's like, oh, okay, yeah. So, so, you know, it's slowly, but, um, you know, be beyond the corporate um, hip-hop artists, we we can do our work, you know. We have travelers all over the world. We just got finished with a panel discussion with Kevin Powell, you know, talking to the new hip-hop um, museum that's going to open in you know, in, in a couple of years. So we're, you know, we're, we're making our moves, you know. Nice. And Ke- Kevin Powell is a good friend of mine. So that, that's wonderful. Uh, uh, yeah, Kevin Powell is really, really supportive of hip hop. Yeah. Favorite people. Um, can you t- tell our audience a little bit? I'm going to ask you this question. What is Rising Phoenix? So Rising Phoenix came to us, the Cribado came to myself um, last year, and um, the producers wanted to work with hip hop artists this way as part of the theme song of the Rising Phoenix. It's uh, a documentary of the Paralympics. So the documentaries on Netflix. So they came to us and they said we really wanted to work with hip hop artists with disabilities. So I um, connected them with Tony Hickman, um, Keith Jones, and George Tragic, and all three are a part of hip hop. And those three went on to do the song of Rising Phoenix. And Rising Phoenix is going to be one of the themes of the Paralympics, is that right? Yeah, yeah, it, it is. One of the theme songs has been getting a lot of um, your plays on YouTube. Um, Coldplay, the group from the UK, um, supporting it. Um, we were nominated for a lot of um, awards because of that song so yeah the song has been out there for now it's been like almost five months now wow congratulations i gotta say that's really cool 
and the, the involvement of Coldplay is, is is pretty cool. I gotta say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we're like, wow, what? Yeah. <laughs> um, now I wanted to ask you more about the Paralympics. First of all, what what is your general opinion of the Paralympics? So I was a Paralympian back in 1988 in Seoul. Oh, yeah, I went to Seoul, Korea. I got my ass kicked, like, it's so weird. You know, the Paralympics and the Olympics have, you know, it's, it's, it's really, um, you know, two sides of, of one coin. Um, one side is that, you know, um, athletes with disabilities can be on an international stage. You know, they, they compete like any other athlete. Yeah, they come home with gold, silver, you know, they meet people. So that's good. On the other side, on the ugly side that people don't really realize is, you know, the politics of it, you know, the politics before the Olympics and the Paralympics, how they destroyed communities just to build the awful, um, you know, um, Olympic, um, Village, you know, um, a lot of people were misplaced, um, mm -hmm. especially disabled, disabled and poor people, you know, so that politics is always there. And after the Olympics, we can see in like London, what happened is like after the Olympics, you know, all of a sudden people had short memories and it, it is back to, um, normal where you know people don't really you know care about you and in London, England, you know, after the Olympics, um the the conservative government got in power and destroyed services for people with disabilities and all that stuff. You know, and on the flip side, in South Korea, when I was there, come to find out that after the Olympics um, that, that whole village and that housing went to low-income disabled people. So, you know, there's, there's always there's always a yin and a yang when it comes to the Olympics. It, it sounds like that sometimes the Paralympics can be used as a bit of a fig leaf where they highlight people with disabilities and talk about programs to help people with disabilities but oftentimes it's people with disabilities who are being displaced to yeah. make room for the Olympics. Yeah, yeah, we, you know, we we have on um, the Cripple artists in Brazil, and I, I interviewed him after the Olympics in Brazil, and he said to me, like, totally, you know, destroy people with disabilities, you know. Mm. So, so, yeah, it's, there's always two sides of one coin. <laughs> mm. What do you think about the Paralympics making it to TV? Finally. 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 I mean, I, like I said, I was, I was a, living in, in you know, 1988, and it's 2021. You know, it's like, come on, people. You know, and, you know I, I'm glad that it's finally on TV. But I just wonder, I just wonder, like, now, because 
who watches TV anymore? <laughs> Every, everything is online. So it, yeah. I think I think TV uh, TV is reaching for ratings. And it's like, okay, well, let's try this because everybody's leaving TV. So yeah. you know, it's the good side. Is like, okay, it's finally on TV. The bad side is like, why it takes so long and. And now, because I watch this TV, so you know it's it's yeah, it's always in in the end. You know, I looked up um, the nineteen eighty eight Paralympics in Seoul where you competed, and saw that they were the first Paralympics in twenty four years that were combined with the Olympics and, you know, and staged in the same place as the Olympics. Um, do you like that? Do you like the two events being combined in the same location or do you wish it was like it used to be in a different locale? No, I think, I think it's good. I think, I think it's, it's pretty combined. It's pretty combined even more. I think, the, you know, although it's combined the, the, the quote-unquote record Olympics, don't even talk to the Paralympics. Um, uh, so it's it's combined even more in the future. Beautiful. Um, Leroy Moore, is there anything else you'd like to add about Phoenix Rising, about the work you're doing with Crip Hop Nation, um, and about or about anything in which you're involved? Is there anything else you'd like to to highlight? Well, you know, we 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 saw um, Hawthorne. The, oh, you talk about Madison Cawthorn. Yeah, Madison. Yeah, it's, 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 yeah the, the the Republicans will use anybody and, and everybody just to get their word out, and that 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 um, politician is, you know, his life is full of lies. You know, come to find out that um, you know the. The reporter from the nation, you know, did this really, you know, um, um, research about him because of uh, that, you know, he lied about you know, working out, working out for the Paralympics, you know. So, you know, it's just interesting that the Republicans use, you know, disabled people, and you know, it's just, it's just sad. Because we, we we all saw that um, Donald Trump, you know, when he first was running, was teasing um, a disabled um, reporter. So now, on the backside, while well, he's going out of the office, the party uses Hawthorne, which we which we now realize that. Most of the stories are lies. So it's just, yeah. Yeah, Madison Cawthorn. Uh, the, the the thing about him, I don't like. He seems to to also really like Hitler. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Weird, like he's a Hitler tourist. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't trust people who want to visit Hitler's home and take smiley selfies and things like that. That makes me very uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. So you know, it's just, it's just so sad because you know, just the disabled community has so much, you know, so much culture, history, you know, politics, you know, music, you know, and to, to have him as the spokesperson, mm -mm. you know, 
this is this is sad. This is sad to see. Please give me Leroy Moore over Madison Cawthorn any day of the week. Oh my God! The spokesperson. That's just. It, you're right. It, it, it's absolutely unacceptable. You know, you just mentioned the musical contributions. Um, I wanted to, something I always ask my guests on this show is what yeah. music they listen to to inspire themselves as they do their work. So, what is on Leroy Moore's playlist? What do you like to listen to? Well, I've been I've been really into um, into um, Kendrick Kendrick Lamar. Oh, because yeah. Kendrick, almost all of his albums have one or two songs that deal with disability. Wow. So I would love to interview him and say, what's up with that? You know, what's up with that theme? It's interesting. His, his, um, his latest um, CD that came out a couple of years ago, he has, he has a track, the first track, it's like a skit. Where a blind person kills, kills, kills him. I was like, and, and you know, I see all of his interviews, and when when somebody asks, you know, about that song, he goes quiet. And I was like, why, you know, why why does he go quiet for that song? So I would love to um, interview him. I've been listening to his music, you know, really listening to the lyrics, you know, and what the lyrics say. It's just interesting, you know, his disability theme throughout his career is there. Well, hey, we'll we'll send this interview to his manager. I mean, (laughs) you never know. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. And once once again, you know, thank you, Dave. You know, we we love your your show. I listen to it every every time it comes out. So thank you for doing the work. Well, I mean, I could turn that right around and say the same thing to you. Thank you, Leroy Moore, for your your lifetime of advocacy. Thank you for Crip Hop Nation. Congratulations, not only on Rising Phoenix, but being part of the Hip Hop Museum. That, that's, that's we're in talks. We're in talks. Okay, I don't want to overstep, but I'm so excited at the thought of it. It just makes me bubbly and happy because you've been doing the work, and it's it's sometimes it's rare when people who do the work get rewarded and get recognized, and I want to see that happen. I I, I want I want to ask a question to you. Oh please. You know, I, I I was a big fan of the NBA and the NFL in the 70s and 80s. Now I'm not so much because I, I see that, that the rules have totally changed. I mean, and the NFL, you can't even touch the quarterback no more. <laughs> so, you know, what do, what do you think? You know, I, I, I'm... I'm on the in the air, you know, Dr. Dre, no, Doc, Dr. J, you know, and Tony Morissette, you know. So what do you what do you think about this era where there's so many rules? It's just like it's a, it's a total different game. Well, first of all, you're correct that they've changed the game so dramatically 
since, say, the 1970s and 80s. I mean, I was watching some old highlights recently of my favorite player growing up, Lawrence Taylor. Yes. And, and like, everything Lawrence Taylor did was a penalty. Yes. <laughs> Every play is a penalty, and, and the announcers are saying, there's Lawrence Taylor, the best linebacker of his generation. And I'm like, if he played today, they would kick him out of every game. <laughs> and, but at the same time, I have to say, I recognize that the players today are just faster and stronger than the players when I was growing up. So that means it's more dangerous. And, yeah. you know, they need to protect. They, I mean, the, the NFL franchise owners, they view the players as things, as products, yeah. Yeah. and they need to protect their investments. So they've changed the sport. Yeah. Yeah. My my father was a NFL player. Yeah, you know, he played with the Buffalo Bills and the Patriots and Denver Broncos. Oh. So yeah. <laughs> so you know, I grew I grew up on football. So. Wow, that's very cool. Um, I didn't know that about you. Well. Leroy Moore, really do appreciate your time. Thank you so much for appearing on the Edge of Sports podcast. Oh, my God. Thank you so much. And keep on doing your work. I, I say the same thing right to you. Uh, we'll be back right after this, after a quick word from the sponsor of this podcast, The Nation Magazine. If you want to stay on the cutting edge of cultural conversation, you need to subscribe to The Nation's newest newsletter, Books and the Arts. With this newsletter, you'll receive a curated selection of the nation's latest cultural criticism, along with a short essay exclusively for newsletter subscribers written by the books and arts editors themselves. Now, don't worry. We will not clog your inbox. This world of books, art, music, film, and more will be delivered to your inbox every two weeks. It's something worth looking forward to. Subscribe to this thought-provoking, agenda-setting newsletter at thenation.com slash book newsletter. That's thenation.com slash book newsletter. All one word. Subscribe today. And now I've got some choice words about Kelly Loeffler and Renee Montgomery. By any measure, this should be the biggest story in sports. A franchise owner runs a racist Senate campaign throwing their own black players under the bus in the process. Meanwhile, one of those players takes the year off from playing ball to dedicate themselves to social justice. That player asks to meet with the aforementioned franchise owner to discuss those concerns and is denied. The franchise owner refuses to meet and respectfully engage with someone who disagrees with them for political reasons. And after the franchise owner face plants their election campaign ending in ignominious defeat, the player, the union, fans, and eventually even the league pressures them to sell the club. That in and of itself would be a hell of a story. But this one goes to the next level. The aforementioned player joins an ownership group and buys the damn team. It's positively cinematic. But this story isn't getting the media attention it should be. And that's because it took place in the WNBA. Sexism is a hell of a drug. And it's a damn shame because this is a story for the ages. The now former franchise owner is, of course, Trumpist lickspittle Kelly Loeffler, who lost her bid for Georgia's Senate seat to the Reverend Raphael Warnock. The team is the Atlanta Dream. The player is two-time WNBA champ Renee Montgomery. 
and this is truly news to celebrate. I reached out to Montgomery, good friend of the show, and this is what she said. I'm excited to be able to continue my basketball career as the first former WNBA player to become a team owner and member of the leadership team for the dream. My moments in Atlanta are continuing to build momentum in the community, and I look forward to developing relationships that are mutually beneficial to both Atlanta and the dream. It's not known how much of a stake Montgomery is gonna have in the team. The majority owner is a real estate investor named Larry Gottsdiener from Newton, Massachusetts. But the decision-making will fall to Montgomery, officially the team's VP, and Suzanne Abair, a real estate exec who works with Gottsdiener. Montgomery says her inspiration to try to be a part of purchasing the team came from LeBron James himself, who tweeted that he might be interested in being part of a group to wrest the team from Loeffler. That and LeBron's more than a vote campaign pushed Montgomery in this direction. After the purchase, James tweeted congratulations, writing, so proud of this queen. This is everything we are about more than an athlete. But this moment is not about LeBron. It's about Renee Montgomery and the slogan that guides her work, moments equal momentum. I love that. The purchase of the dream fulfills the desire across the WNBA community to get Loeffler away from the league. Loeffler ran her campaign using not so much a racist dog whistle as a racist foghorn. And the focus of her ire was the Black Lives Matter movement in general and her own players in particular. Using them as racist scapegoats for quote unquote rioters in the aftermath of the police killing of George Floyd was more than the WNBA world could stand. They supported Warnock when he was at 9% in the polls and now they look like prophets. Since her epic failure, Loeffler's sale of the team was a foregone conclusion. Now the move by Montgomery creates a hell of a line in the sand across the sports spectrum. Once again, the WNBA is ahead of the game politically. It was when it embraced the Black Lives Matter movement, and it is again enforcing out a bigoted franchise owner and replacing her with a player's voice. Donald Sterling was forced to sell his stake in the NBA's LA Clippers in 2014 after racist recordings surfaced, but he was bought out by tech billionaire Steve Ballmer. Given the repellence of Sterling, that wasn't exactly old boss same as the new boss, but it didn't solve a fundamental problem across the sports world, the near total absence of black franchise ownership, let alone black women in positions of power. Now franchise owners know that their long-standing practice of taking public funds while bankrolling this country's right-wing political apparatus will be under scrutiny. And when they cross the line, as Loeffler gleefully did, from paying for racist dog whistles to taking up the practice themselves, players will not be silent. Renee Montgomery's having a minority stake is a step in the right direction. Of course, she's now moving to the other side of the desk. Given Montgomery's roots, not only as a player, but also as an activist, people are gonna keep a close eye on what she does from her newfound perch. We'll be back right after this with a quick word from Edge of Sports. Hey everybody out there, this is Dave Zirin with the Edge of Sports Podcast. 
People got to know that we put this podcast on with elbow grease and, and bubble gum on a weekly basis. And we're proud of the work that we do. We love it. But we can't do it without support from you, the listener. So please go to patreon.com slash edgeofsportspod and support the podcast. That's patreon.com slash edgeofsportspod. Any little bit you might give to support the podcast actually makes a huge difference to the work we're trying to do. That's patreon.com slash edgeofsportspod. We appreciate you. Make no mistake about it. And now, back to the Edge of Sports podcast. And now is the time for the part of the show we call Just Stand Up and Just Sit Your Ass Down. The Just Stand Up Award Stand up. is actually related to what we just discussed with Renee Montgomery and Kelly Loeffler. But it's a different team and a different story. There are rumbles. And I'm just reporting this early. There are rumbles that the sports world is not going to put up with Peter Mather holding a stake in the Seattle Mariners. Mather was the team president you might have heard about who stepped down after putting Japanese and Latino players on blast for not speaking English. You probably heard that story. It's disgusting. He was doing a speech to the Rotary Club and he dissed players of Japanese and Latino origins uh, who needed translators. And yes, he stepped down, but he still holds a stake in the franchise like 10%. To be clear, and I just want to put this out there, Mather's comments are not only offensive and bigoted, they're ahistorical. Baseball has always been a sport with multiple languages in the dugout. Baseball is a part of life in the Caribbean, particularly Cuba, where it first came over there in the 1860s. And Cuba had its first league in 1878. And as soon as these leagues started, it became what was known as winter ball or the winter leagues. And you had white US born players going to Cuba to play in these winter leagues then, 1878. So I want you to think about that for a second. 99 years before the Seattle Mariners even existed, they didn't come to be until 1977, you had Latin players learning English and white dudes learning Spanish and plenty of translators in the locker room. So to have Peter Mather put Japanese and Latino players on blast for not speaking English is not only offensive, it's ahistorical. We already talked about what's happened with the dream. Let's see it with Mather. So this is, I guess, a part call and part for those rumblings to become an earthquake to get Peter Mather to sell his stake in the Seattle Mariners. The Just Sit Your Ass Down Award, Sit Your Ass Down. Sit your ass down goes to Texas Athletic Boosters. These good old boys want the Eyes of Texas song, which is an old minstrel song, to not only continue to exist as the fight song for the University of Texas, Eyes of Texas being a phrase coined by Robert E. Lee, but they want black players to worship this song, and they are pissed. The Texas Tribune just did amazing work in exposing the emails that these rich good old boy donors have been sending to the school in anger and in rage about the fact that thousands of students have signed petitions saying they don't want the eyes of Texas to represent UT Austin any longer. And I gotta read you this one email by one of the donors. This is what they wrote. It's sad that the eyes of Texas is offending the blacks. As I said before, the blacks are free. And it's time for them to move on to another state where everything is in their favor. What year is this? 
what year is this? Unfortunately, it's 2021. And reading these other emails sent by these boosters, it sounds like they're all addicted to Fox News or whatever right-wing variant of Fox News is out there on the landscape. You know, they're blaming critical race theory, Marxists, of course, the blacks. I mean, they're basically, it's like the laundry list of enemies that the Trumpists have set up over the last, uh, really, generation. I mean, it precedes Trump. And you wonder, though, why players refer to college sports as a plantation. This is a plantation mentality. And you know someone else who needs to sit his ass down. Sit your ass down. Is the new coach for the University of Texas football team, Steve Sarkeesian, getting paid $5.2 million a year. He is going against the philosophy of the former coach, Tom Herman. Tom Herman's approach was to players, if you are offended by the song, stay in the locker room. Steve Sarkeesian says, no, the players will be out there standing at attention. It's a plantation. And Steve Sarkeesian wants to be the overseer at 5.2 mil a year. So, yo, everybody involved in Texas athletics who are about stuffing the eyes of Texas down the throats of black athletes and black students, for that matter, just sit your ass down. Sit your ass down. Now's the time for the part of the show we call Kaepernick Watch. Usually it's the latest comings and goings about Colin Kaepernick, but I'm, I'm shifting it around to be more about the latest comings and goings of the people who are influenced by Colin Kaepernick or the people who are still part of the backlash against what Colin has represented. This week we saw East Tennessee State University put out a big statement that could have been written by a booster from the University of Texas saying that its players would not be allowed to kneel during the national anthem. They're putting this statement out uh, because they're scared. Because they're scared of players deep in the Dixie South showcasing their belief in their own self-determination and they're showcasing their resistance to what this country stands for and the institutionalized racism that exists. It's a cowardly move by East Tennessee State, not the least of which because this is a public institution. I mean, I hate it when private institutions put out these statements as well, but if you're a public institution, you are not within your rights to do this. There will be lawyers. Players do have the right to freedom of expression at these institutions that take public tax dollars. And the thing that actually really upsets me, the reason why this really grinds my gears, the reason why this is a burr in my saddle, is that a lot of folks don't know this, but East Tennessee State University has a renowned sports literature archive. It's famous all over the world. People who are researchers go to East Tennessee State to find out the true history of sports in this country. And so to see them basically trample on that history, which to me is a history of resistance, is absolutely unacceptable. I guess I could tell them to sit their ass down, but I'm putting this under Kaepernick watch. And obviously one of the reasons why I'm inspired to tell this story is because I got a book coming out this fall called The Kaepernick Effect, which is exactly about how people are influenced by Colin Kaepernick taking a knee and how it shaped their communities. Well, that's all the time we have for this week's show. Thank you so much to Leroy Moore for appearing with us. Thank you so much to the good people at Crip Hop Nation. Thank you to my producer, David Tigaboo. Thank you to everybody out there who listens to this show. If you like it, please 
leave a little note, write a little review, make a little rating, tell a friend. All that stuff helps us a great deal. And we love our listeners. So thank you so much. If you want to financially support us through these lean times, which we absolutely would accept happily, go to patreon.com slash edge of sports pod. We support, I mean, we appreciate all the help we can get. For everybody out there listening, please mask up. Please stay frosty. We are out of here. Peace.